Well, happy Thanksgiving. Thank y'all. I mean, you don't have to say it back, but it's nice. Um, It is Thanksgiving this week, and I am wondering what does that look like in your house? Uh, Do you host or do you go someplace else? Do you have kind of those must-have dishes that have to be on your table every year? And you know what I'm talking about. And then there's always somebody that has to make the must-have dish, right? Um, Either because you like it that way or it's like their territory. They have decided this is the thing I make and nobody else can touch it. Um, Everybody has a system for Thanksgiving and you know what I'm talking about. Are you a dressing or a stuffing house? Which one? Dressing, stuffing, I still don't know the difference. I just eat what's in front of me. Um, Are you canned green beans or fresh green beans? Oh. Are you fried turkey or roasted turkey? Roasted. Whoa, really? That's interesting. I can't wait to go next door next hour and find out like <laughs> what the differences are. Um, everybody's got a thing like how you like your potatoes. And I think I've shared this story before, but one year in our extended family, um, you know, so-and-so brought the potatoes and they were fixed this certain way and that's the way we had the potatoes. And then somebody was like, what if we do mashed cauliflower this year instead of the potatoes? And it was like, why do you hate all of us? And so it was this great big controversy. And in the end, we ended up with three different types of potatoes and one was purple. So you know what I'm talking about when I say that there is a system to Thanksgiving. Uh, It is the stuff that family drama is made of. There's that beautiful line in a little town of Bethlehem that says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And I think that's how we treat the Thanksgiving menu, right? That the hopes and fears of the entire year are gonna manifest themselves in the menu on the table. And I think that's why some of my favorite TV shows are Thanksgiving episodes, like especially comedy series, because between the stress of the holidays and the undertaking of cooking, such a great big meal, and then all that goes into family dynamics, it's like limitless comedy material, is it not? Um, This is one of my very favorites from um, Everybody Loves Raymond, if y'all have seen that. Look at this. Mm A tofu turkey? Yeah. (laughs) Looks good, huh? I would rather eat that page. (laughs) Oh, it says here you need a special mold to shape the tofu into a turkey. Mm. No, you don't need a mold, Ma. Okay, God does that. (laughs) He he takes a whole bunch of bird meat and he molds it into a turkey. (laughs) I'm quoting the Bible here, Deborah. Okay? y'all seen that episode? They end up with a tofu turkey and she buys the little hats that go on the thing and the whole thing jiggles every time they move it. It's hilarious. But I think this is, this is where we are with Thanksgiving, that we do have these systems and these traditions and these um, expectations that we hold on to. And they're not all bad. There are wonderful pieces of getting together with our family and sharing food together. And, and, um, and we cling to them and we look forward to them. But of course, if we are not careful, what happens is we begin to focus so much on those pieces and those expectations that we lose the image of what Thanksgiving is supposed to look like. 
and our focus becomes thanksgiving the event or the meal or the holiday and not thanksgiving the concept. And so it becomes like a tofu turkey mold, just an adaptation of what it was meant to be. Now, Thanksgiving, like many of the holidays we celebrate and we recognize even here in the church, isn't a strictly Christian holiday. It's not even a strictly American holiday. You all know the story. I'm sure you can remember from grade school where we celebrate that the pilgrims had come to the land and they had endured their first long year and winter here and they they met with provision and and the Native Americans and, and so they celebrated because they were thankful for how God had brought them through that very difficult time. But this custom actually existed long before they came to America. It's, it's in lots of other countries all over the, uh, all over the, the, across the globe, that initial feast of Thanksgiving where we give thanks for harvest and we give thanks for provision. So Thanksgiving, although it's not strictly the church's holiday, it's not strictly the U.S.'s holiday, it is an opportunity like all the other holidays we celebrate secularly, to consider as Christians what our part is, what's going on in life, what's going on in our neighborhoods and our communities and our families and our home, and what is our part as Christ followers. Because though Thanksgiving the event is not strictly a Christian practice, Thanksgiving the concept is indeed very biblical. And so this morning we're gonna go to the Psalms and I invite you to turn to your Bible uh, or your app if you've got it with you to Psalm 138. You'll notice that we have read all of one Psalm 38 throughout our service this morning as part of our liturgy. And and depending on which translation you're looking at, it's labeled as a Psalm of thanksgiving or praise or something similar. The Psalms, if you remember back to a study that we did earlier in the year around the season of Lent, are 150 chapters in the Old Testament that are really a picture of God meeting his people where they are and how they are. Pastor and uh, the late theologian and pastor Eugene Peterson is famous for sharing the sentiment that all of scripture is this story of God reaching down to humanity. But the Psalms are these beautiful moments of humanity reaching and crying out to God. We know that they were communal, that they were written to be sung and to be recited together in worship as we have done here through our service so far. And that in doing this, this is how the church taught generation after generation theology and, and, um, and instruction and words of faith. Especially when people couldn't read, they could still recite the words of these songs and this poetry. And so Psalm 138 comes at the end, kind of close to the very end of the book of Psalms. It's part of book five. It's what we would call a psalm of thanksgiving. And it opens with those words. I give thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Now, at the time when this psalm was written, God's people were returning from exile in Babylon. So if you remember the story, uh, the nation of Israel had been overtaken by Babylon. They had been forced to leave their homeland and live in exile. But eventually, after they'd been there for many years, Persia came and conquered Babylon. And the Persian government decided to let God's people return 
to their homeland. And so here we have this group of people that have been separated from their temple and separated from their homeland, and they are returning to find out after years of being gone what it meant to be God's people again. What was their identity going to be like? What was life going to be like in this nation that had continued to move on around them? So if we're thinking about thanksgiving as a concept, what that means for us as followers of Christ, as followers of the word, we read from the very beginning that it is to be a whole heart endeavor. It's like that, the word that y'all just sang in that anthem, let my whole life be a blazing offering. Thanksgiving is to be lifted up as a part of our identity. It's to define who we are as God's people. Not to be just a piece of us, not to be just one little piece that we pull out on Thanksgiving Day once time, once of the year or, or reserved for a special occasion, but Thanksgiving is something that engages our entire heart. I don't know, I was trying to think about what this would look like physically to be so, so engaged, and I thought of musicians. Have you ever watched a musician just be really, where's Patty, really, or Scott, like really in to what they're playing? Um, I sang at a, at a wedding one time, and the bride wanted to come in at this very particular spot in the song. And so what that meant was the accompanist had to vamp for a little bit during this interlude. And then when we saw that they were all lined up and ready to go, then the, the guy was gonna nod at me and then I knew, okay, then I've got four counts and then they're gonna come down the aisle. So good plan, sounds good. Well, he sits down to play and he is going like this. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm not gonna know when he's nodding at me, are you kidding? And so we made it through the wedding, it was wonderful, but that's what I'm talking about. That's to be engaged from like top to bottom, your entire being. That's what we're called to as God's people in Thanksgiving. And I wonder what it might look like, what it might feel like, what it might sound like in the words that we say, in the way that we speak to one another, to be engaged like this. You know, we just finished this series on stewardship, about following Jesus with our whole lives. And that's what Thanksgiving is too. It's, 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 it's a whole life kind of measure. It's to say, I'm not thankful because everything has lined up and everyone is doing what I want them to do. It's to say that I'm thankful because this is who I am, that I've chosen to live gratefully. And that sounds great, but how's that possible? I know. Well, the psalm continues to tell us that before the gods, I will sing your praise, bowing down in the holy temple. They use words like pra of praising God's unfailing love and faithfulness, God's exaltedness, God's fame. And the psalmist says, when I called, you answered and you emboldened me. I mean, this is what he's saying is, I thank you because you are God, because you reign and you are sovereign, you are steadfast, you are faithful, you are above all others. Now, I don't know about you, but that takes a load off of me this morning to know that this whole idea of living thankfully and living with our whole lives is not entirely dependent upon me. 
I don't know if you've ever said to your kids before or your coworkers or your spouses or your siblings, it's not about you, right? When something's, when we're complaining about what we don't wanna eat or what, where we wanna go, it's not about you. Well, this is the redeeming side of that advice, that it isn't about us, praise God, right? That our ability to be thankful is rooted in who God is and not who we are. See, in the aftermath of that Babylonian exile, the Israelites were questioning their very identity. They did not know what would lay in store for them as they were returning to this land that they had been away from for so long. But what they, what they did know is that God was with them and that he is not limited to a physical location and that he had been with them the entire time throughout their whole history. As they left Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea and they endured the wilderness and then finally into the promised land, God was not limited to a physical location or a circumstance. And when it comes to the source of our thankfulness, we are not limited because God is not limited. So the next stanza, may all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. So the psalmist has, has, has been declaring God's greatness and his exaltedness. He's declared it in front of all the other gods. We see the little, ex, the little marks around that word God because all the other deities that were still worshiped in the land, he's saying, it's not about you and it's not about you and it's not about you because I know the one true God. And now I'm going to declare that before all the rulers and all the kings of the land. See, what's significant here is that life was not all freedom and, and perfection. God's people were coming back from exile. They were allowed to return to their land, but there was still a lot of trouble. There was still opposition. And though they were allowed this freedom and, and this allowance, they were still being ruled over by a foreign land and a foreign king. And yet there was this great faithfulness among God's people that still existed because they had seen what the world had to offer and yet they knew what God could do. They had seen the hand of God active in the world and so their thanksgiving flowed from this. This made me think when I was reading through this psalm and praying through it this week about the series that we did earlier this year on miracles was called When Pigs Fly. I don't know what's wrong with us and animals. We had pigs then. If you were with us during this camel series, we just, by the end of the year, we'll have a whole barnyard. We'll get them all together. It'll be great. <laughs> um, but in that series, we took a look at these miracles and the, and the book of Hebrews that says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. But we're very honest to understand that as human beings, we like the concrete. We like the physical thing that we can hold on to and that we can understand. And so we ask again and again, and we get asked again and again, how do we know? How do you know that there is a God out there that cares? And then as soon as we utter those words, God moves, doesn't he? 
He wraps his arms around the motorcyclist that goes flying down 290 and walks away in one piece. And he moves his spirit over that disease that vanishes without explanation. God moves. And sometimes it happens in very small ways. I remember um, when I was uh, on the children's ministry staff, I would get here early every morning and I would have to set up the rooms and get the supplies out. And so I would always come to the door and my hands would be so full and my head would be full and I'd be checking things off and I'd get there and it's locked and I'm standing there thinking maybe if I put this down or I could, go, I don't know, maybe I could unlock it with my foot. And always at that moment when I was just at my highest moment of frustration at 7.30 in the morning, Carlos would come out of nowhere. He was on our uh, facility staff, and he'd say, oh, hey, let me get the door for you. And I know that that just seems silly and little, but y'all, in that second, I could feel God's hand upon me. I knew that he saw me. I knew that he saw the task ahead of me. And my whole day changed. God's hand is active in our world in big ways, And in small ways, the glory of the Lord is great. And we can declare that before one another. We can declare that before all of the rulers and kings of the earth. And so here we are so far with this idea of thanksgiving, the concept that begins with a whole heart that is rooted in who God is that sees and knows the God that is active in the world. And as we near the end of the psalm, these words that Linda lifted up for us earlier, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. God's hand saves me from my enemies, upholds me, and endures forever. See, the psalmist again is not giving thanks from a place of perfection. I mean, we read these words, I'm walking in the midst of trouble. It's not just that trouble exists in the world, it's that the psalmist is in the middle of it from where he writes. And yet, there is this call to the congregation to sing with a voice of thanksgiving and praise because though trouble never disappears, God doesn't either. And his divine right hand of deliverance continues to reach out over you and me as much as it did those Israelites in the early days of God's history. So what does Thanksgiving look like? It looks like shelter. It looks like protection. It looks like the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. It looks like the one who has come to speak into the darkness and the darkness have not overcome it. See, this psalm paints a picture for us beyond just beautiful poetic words of what thanksgiving looks like as followers of Christ. It teaches us the way that it has taught God's people for centuries, that with a whole heart, we give praise to the one true God who is active in our world and who is not going anywhere. And that picture is the same today as it has been for God's people throughout centuries. And the very best part of this truth is that 
praising with our whole hearts, lifting up God that is faithful, watching him, expecting him, knowing that he is working in the world around us, protecting us and sheltering us is that this allows thanksgiving for us as followers of Jesus Christ to be a proactive force in the world. We do not have to sit and wait for the good to come for us to raise our hands in praise and worship because the good news has already been accomplished. And so we don't react in thanksgiving. We act in thanksgiving. It is a proactive force. And I use the word force because I think that that is its greatest potential. The way that we are invited to live into thankfulness and to live it out in the world around us. Because when you have the assurance of who God is, how God continues to act and move whether good or bad things are happening, And when you've chosen to live your whole life, your whole heart from this place and this truth, I dare you to keep still. I dare you not to move. I'll close today with a story that somebody wrote years ago to the Reader's Digest. Y'all remember the Reader's Digest? It was awesome. My grandmother always had a stack. There were the most fun things to read. And this story comes from a gentleman who wrote about being 24 years old when his parents divorced. And as adults, it was so difficult because everybody was very open with their, with their animosity and everyone was taking sides and there was so much arguing and so much going back and forth that by the time Thanksgiving rolled around, no one was speaking to each other, let alone planning a meal. And so, not wanting to spend the holiday alone, the young man put an ad in the local newspaper that simply read that if you're alone for Thanksgiving this year, so am I. Give me a call and we'll make a meal. And a few people did call. And though he was nervous, he said that it was a fantastic time. The food was good, the company was good. And so he did it the next year. And then the next, and then the next. And by the time he wrote this article, he had a group of over 84 people gathered for this Thanksgiving meal. People new to town, people new to the country that did not even speak English, recently divorced, recently widowed, old people, young people, people coming in from from AA and from recovery. He even fed police officers in the area that that though there was a meal at the station or at their family's home, were in their patrol cars, and so they were just out on the road. He says that one year, a woman with Parkinson's disease came. She was not good on her feet. She had been in a nursing home for seven years and had not many opportunities to go out. Someone had told her about the dinner, So she hired an ambulance to bring her at $200 plus mileage. She had such a great time that she cried when the ambulance came to take her home because she didn't want to leave. That's Thanksgiving beyond the table. That's Thanksgiving as a force in this world. That's Thanksgiving that comes from a whole heart rooted in who God is a God that is active and moving in our world and who is not going anywhere. Friends, let us take that to 
to the table this year. Will you pray with me? Lord, we give you thanks for who you are, for all the ways that you remind us of who you are, the big and the small, and for the way that you want each one of us full of, full of flaws and quirks to still be a part of your work in this kingdom. Lord, we ask your spirit to fill our hearts this morning, that the way we live our life not become just a tiny piece at this holiday, but, but an everyday anthem, that we would live for you as your people, knowing that our thankfulness does not rely on situations, but simply on that truth, and that our whole heart may follow. God, I pray over each person gathered here this morning. And I pray for wherever they are, however they came to be here today, and for where they're headed after their time in worship. You see and you know better than even ourselves the conditions of our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our bodies. I lift all those conditions up to you, God, in this moment. That where there is healing needed, you would bring healing. Where there is peace needed, you would bring peace. Comfort to those that need to be comforted. And praise for what you can do like nobody else. Lord, let our thanksgiving flow because we call and you answer. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.